The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. America has rolled by like an army of steamrollers. It's been erased like a blackboard, rebuilt, and erased again. But baseball has marked the time. This field, this game, it's a part of our past, Ray. It reminds us of all that was once good, and it could be again. Oh, people will come, Ray. People will most definitely come. James Earl Jones, Field of Dreams. I'm your host, Lynn Savanto, and this is the Always Moving Podcast. And baseball is back, and I'm here for it. Let's take a look at America's pastime and its return to greatness. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Always Moving Podcast. I am your host, Lyndon Savanto, and today I want to talk about baseball. Um, for the last few years, it's kind of been this narrative that, you know, the game's dying, uh, this modern generation, this TikTok generation, um, can't focus long enough to watch to watch baseball, and uh, I think that's more of a problem with kind of, uh, you know, this new generation than the sport itself, but that's a whole other issue for a, for another uh, podcast. So we're gonna not get too deep on the problems with the youths, um, which is something I find myself kind of getting to. So clearly, I'm getting older because not a big fan of the modern generation. But anywho, we're here to talk about baseball, not my thoughts on a uh, dem punk teens. Um. So for many of you, you probably know if you know if you if you know who I am or anything about me. I love I love baseball. My uh, my bucket list number one thing on my bucket list was to see every team play at their home stadium, and I did it. I did it in 2019 with my uh, my dear friend Dushan. Uh, shout out Dushan. He'll be on a podcast coming up here hopefully soon and. Uh, but yeah, we drove around the entire country. We saw every team play, and um, in their home stadium, and it was literally life changing. I met my wife on that trip. Um, I wrote a book about it, available on Amazon. The Great Baseball Road Trip. Go pick it up. Um, but I love baseball, and it's always bothered me that like, oh, baseball's dying. We don't have uh, we don't have a star. We don't have uh, something to draw the new generation to. And maybe there's a point, and I think that's more of a, it's not a baseball issue, it was a, the way people live today. You know, if you can't focus on something for 10 minutes, um, you're not going to enjoy baseball. But but it's changed, and baseball is back, and it's not just uh, an opinion, even though my opinion is yes. um, I have numbers to back it up, and you know what? Numbers don't lie, right? That's what everyone says. Um, so this, the numbers I found, it was early, but it was the first month of baseball. So coming into the 2023 season, the MLB made some changes to try to increase the pace of play, uh, increase scoring, all this this fun stuff uh, to 
to kind of make it more exciting for the casual fan. And it's worked. So they introduced a pitch clock, which, you know, we're still working out the kinks. And, you know, pitchers are still getting used to... uh, they can't dick around on the mound. They have to get get the pitch in in time and stuff like that. But we, Alyssa and I went to the Rays-Dodgers game, and seeing the pitch clock, it was great. Like, I I, I was skeptical. Like, how is this going to be? How is this going to look? What's it going to do to affect the game? But I would much rather see the game continue than watch Buddy dick around with his batting gloves the whole time or tap his shoes, walk around because there was a ball and he does a whole lap around the home plate, like all these unnecessary little little kinks and you know things that players would do is just gone and it's great. And I, I, you watch on TV, you watch a game, and no, I don't want to watch. Uh, I don't know. Let's say Cedric Mullins probably doesn't even do it. I don't watch a lot of Orioles, but like if Cedric Mullins strike one and then he takes off his gloves taps his shoes we don't need that and i think the pitch clock is a great a great way to prevent that kind of stuff from kind of dragging the game on and on so um in this report i read it was based on the first month of the year so with the pitch clock the average time of the game now is two hours and 36 minutes and last season it was three hours and five minutes so it's over half an hour like difference um, between the games and you see it and you feel it. And I think that's something that's drawing more people kind of to the games. Cause it's, it's a lot like a baseball game. If it goes to extra innings and all this stuff, you could be there all night and uh, people just don't have the time. People don't have the patience or the attention span to do so. So I think the pitch clock uh, really helped and uh, we'll see how it goes. It's, it's the first year it's been implemented. So obviously they have to work out, you know the differences and see what they can tinker with but i think it's been a it's been a success and really i hope that they they stick with it moving forward because it's been it's been uh, an excellent change that i was skeptical about at first um other changes they made um they removed the defensive shift they increased the size of the bases which is not only helping steals per game but it's also helping kind of player safety it gives the the runner and the defender more space to uh to touch the bag itself so they're not crashing into each other even though it still happens uh wasn't the best for royce lewis who took a, a horrible tumble at first but uh increase the base sizes defensive shifts um the toss over to first to try to pick off a runner they've limited the amount of times you can do that so we don't have to keep watching um the pitcher throw to first base if there's a speedster on it or whatever. So all these little changes have actually um, resulted in a change of play that's more exciting, more action, more more what have you. <laughs> uh, the average runs per game in April compared to the last season are up to 9.1 instead of 8.2. The average stolen bases went from 1.4, or they're 1.4 this year, to 0.9 last year. And these numbers obviously changed. This was a, a report I read from April, um, the first month. So we'll see what the numbers actually are when they come out or more people write about and whatnot. Um, the average attendance at games in the stadiums been up 5%, except for oh, Oakland, but that's their own thing. Once they move to Vegas, though, woo, that's going to be cool. But the, the massive jump, too, has been viewership on TV and online and, and whatnot. So TBS... 
TBS has reported the average viewership per game on their channel last year was 187,000. That number's jumped to 304,000 this year, which is dramatic. So I think more people are interested, or at least more people are tuning in. And uh, all these new rules, I think, are one of the major reasons behind it. Um, another reason I think um, baseball's kind of doing better now than it has in recent years, I think it's the superstars we have now. Uh, players are kind of allowed to express, you know, their emotion more, to have more personality on the field. Um, you know, back in the day, if you... They still get it now, but back in the day, if you, you know, admired your home run or celebrated too much, you were definitely getting hit with a pitch the next time you came up. It was this old this old way of thinking of, like, uh, respect and stuff. And obviously, you respect your opponents, but at the same time, you have to be able to, if a big moment happens or a game-changing moment happens, you should be able to celebrate that. And I feel like you, we're seeing a lot more of that. We're seeing a lot more emotion on every play, and we're kind of getting more exposure to the personalities of these players and uh, kind of makes it more fun, more enjoyable to watch. It's not just a, a standard creative player on MLB who just go up, swing, get out, ah shucks, try again next time. Um, so I think the the level of superstar that we have now, guys like Ronald Acuna, you know, Juan Soto, um, he does his like Juan Soto crouch to the pitcher. And it's just fun to see the uh, kind of the character and the personalities of these players, and I think that's helping. I think it's translating over to uh, you know fans getting more into it. You get uh, like uh, pitchers are screaming. You know, Marcus Stroman the other day he struck out Juan Soto and did his stance thing. So you're seeing more personality from these players, and uh, it's just an exciting group. You watch Aaron Judge last year; he broke. Broke the AL home run record. Um, Albert Pools, one of the greatest baseball players ever. He had this like renaissance at the second half of last year to cross the 700 home run threshold. So I think the storylines um, throughout the season are they're being better like marketed. They're seeing more people. I think uh, the way. This information is getting out to younger people via TikTok, Instagram, whatever, Twitter. Um, I think that's really helping the game as well. So you can get behind the narrative. You can get behind the player. Um, and I think that's really helping. You get Shohei Otani is doing something nobody's ever done. This is a... <laughs> everyone always says unicorn. It's like, oh, this guy's a unicorn. Like uh, in any sport. Oh, he made one pass. He's a unicorn. No, this guy's a freakazoid. <laughs> freakazoid unicorn. He's... Arguably one of the best pitchers in all of baseball, but at the same time, he's one of the best hitters in baseball. And he he makes you tune in to watch. You want to watch Shohei Otani. You want to see what he's going to do. Like, how is this guy doing this? How does he hit a grand slam and then go strike out three batters immediately after? Like, I think the way, the level of play that everybody's having, people are faster, they hit stronger, like... I think that level of superstar is really helping. I think uh, the Yankees having Aaron Judge, even though I'm not a Yankees fan, I think having the the MVP in the most famous team in the world, and he's a massive guy who just smashes homers, I think that helps. And uh, you get like Julio Rodriguez, the, the Mariners, and uh, 
you know, get these exciting players who can hit for power and steal, but at the same time, they hit a double, they get on base, they celebrate. Maybe they do a, a, like a signature move, like cross their arms. Randy Orozarena does it, and it's like the, you see kids in the crowd. We were at the when we were at the Rays game, they uh, they do like the fan cams, and like some of them are like you know dance cam, kiss cam. They had the Randy Orozarena like arm cross cam. So it's this way to kind of interact with the kids in the stadium and allow them to you know mimic their superstars and uh it's it's great and i'm all here i'm here for it um yeah baseball's back and it's great it's great to watch and if you haven't watched the game or maybe you were put off before uh i would encourage you to just watch one with the new rules and the pitch clock you're gonna see more action and maybe you still aren't a fan maybe you just don't like the game but i if you've thought in the past like maybe it's too long or it's too boring um give it a shot now just see if uh see if it speaks to you see if uh the more stolen bases or the uh, more hits and more personality i think on the plays uh just give it a shot why not what's it gonna hurt um but yeah baseball's back and i love it I hope you enjoyed that section about baseball because it is back and it is awesome. So if you were hesitant before, go check out a game with the new rules and just kind of see what happens. So uh, in this this second half of the pod, I'm going to talk about my weekly list of movies that I watched and put them in order. I've got it in order here. So as I mentioned in my previous episode, I'm able to watch a lot of movies throughout my day while uh, completing my work. So it, it works out really well. And I'm able to catch up and uh, do my reviews on Letterboxd, the uh, app that allows you to, you know, follow critics that you like or you follow your friends and then you rate your movies, review them, and you can see what everyone else is watching. You can take suggestions and uh, go from there. So this week, uh, (laughs) it was a big week, but I also did some, it was a pretty uh, chill weekend where I was unable to go anywhere, so uh, watched a bunch. This week, I watched 15 movies, which sounds like a lot, because it is. But here are my rankings from 15 to number 1. This week was uh, more difficult than last. Uh, I feel like I watched a lot more good movies this week compared to last week, so the rankings were tough, but... I'm going with my heart on this one, and this is what I. Uh, these are my rankings for last week's movies that I watched. Maybe I should come up with a title because I'll do this again next week. But at number 15, it is No Way Out, starring Kevin Costner and Gene Hackman. Um, I really thought the plot of the movie was it was a strong idea because they. Uh, Gene Hackman is the Secretary of Defense and Kevin Costner is a Navy officer and they both end up like seeing the same woman and eventually she dies uh, Gene Hackman kills her that's not a spoiler that's in the premise um, but then they're trying to find out who is the other guy with them uh, by any cost and it turned out it was Kevin Costner so at the same time he's investigating who the person is but it's him and it's kind of this tense, uh, like, action thriller kind of thing. But uh, it kind of tapers off towards the end. And by the end of the film, I was kind of I was kind of checked out. I was kind of disappointed in it, to be honest. But, 
yeah, number 15 is No Way Out. Number 14, 1984, which is based on the George Orwell book. Um, it's pretty bleak, but so is the book itself. But uh, it was neat to see it on film. John Hurt is great in it. Um, but all in all, just compared to the rest, it's just not as good. It felt more like a like I was watching a play. Like all the the scenes and the sets, they seem like they could just be on a stage. So 1984 is number 14. Number 13 is the Sly Stallone classic Cobra. Number 12, Starship Troopers, which is, uh, as I wrote in the review I made on Letterboxd, uh, some people would say it's an incredibly bad movie. I think it's an incredible bad movie. Um, on the surface, it's... It's like this cheesy sci-fi movie, but uh, as I've read more and more about it, it's uh, it's kind of grown in reputation throughout the years as this uh, this uh, satire about fascism and uh, yeah, it's actually kind of neat when you learn how the director and how people interpreted the movie, and then you watch it again and you uh, see more of the. Uh, the underlying tones of the movie it's actually uh it's better than i remember because i on first watch like most people i'm just like oh this is just kind of like a a cheesy sci-fi movie but it was good uh go rewatch starship troopers with the knowledge of what it's actually about uh number 11 is the rom-com classic four weddings and a funeral with hugh grant number 10 indiana jones and the temple of doom this movie has some great action some great set pieces, but I just, the, what's her name, Willie, I think it's Willie, the, uh, the female lead in it is just annoying as all hell, and she brings nothing to the movie, she takes away from the movie, uh, so that hurt its review from me, but, uh, Indy's great, uh, it's a pretty cool movie, there's a lot of, like, racist stuff that hasn't aged well, but like most movies made in the past, it's a different era. So uh, you got to just accept what it was. Uh, number nine, Empire of the Sun. Um, it's this kind of coming of age story with a young Christian Bale who's incredible. This is a child Christian Bale and he carried that movie. And you just don't get that many like oscar caliber child performances all the time i feel like a child can really destroy a movie and he carried this thing uh it's a steven spielberg movie about uh this kid growing up in a japanese internment camp during world war ii uh really good um go check it out if that interests you number eight talented mr ripley uh a great kind of I don't want to say heist, but it's like a identity theft kind of movie. Really tense. Uh, perhaps too long at parts. Feel like it could have ended, you know, three different times. But uh, still very good. Matt Damon rocks, of course. Which leads us to number seven, which was Air. Um, I'm not a sneaker head. I don't care about basketball shoes. But some, a lot of people do, and that's good. Do what you love. Not for me. That's why I was kind of like... Ah, do I really want to watch Air? It's just about a shoe. But it's uh, it's a really interesting story. The performances are great. And it was, uh, it, uh, it kept me, you know, it, drew, it kept my attention throughout the entire running time, which was not something I expected. I think Matt Damon's great. It was kind of an interesting story. 
uh, Nike competing with uh, Converse and Adidas to get Michael Jordan's signature. And it's very like, you know, it makes you think Nike's this amazing thing. And yeah, they've been super successful, but it kind of, you know, brushes over some of the bad that they've done. But uh, Air, still a good movie. And it is on Amazon Prime. So uh, go check that out. Number six is Creed 2. Um, Creed 2 is awesome. The ending, like, the story's cool. It's like, uh, you know, Creed's fighting Drago's son and anyone that's watched Rocky IV. I don't believe I'm spoiling this for you. Uh, Drago ended up killing Apollo Creed in a boxing match. So it's kind of this, this narrative of, like, you know, revenge for his father, takes on Drago's son. And uh, it also really has an emphasis on family, you know, because Creed and Tessa Thompson, like, they have their baby, and it's him coming to terms with that. But at the same time, Rocky, uh, you know, he's getting older and talks about his distance with his son and overcoming the shadow of, you know, his presence of being Rocky and his son just kind of living in his shadow the whole time and stuff like that. So... Creed 2, there's a lot of heart, especially at the end of the movie. Uh, I don't want to say what all happens, but post-fight might be my favorite part of the whole movie, even though the whole thing's dynamite. Uh, Number four, I mean, number five is Pearl. Um, It's kind of like a modern modern horror movie, I guess, about this this girl that will do anything to to be a star, but at the same time, she's batshit crazy. it's a really neat movie. It's very, it's more like an art house kind of horror movie, but it's beautifully shot. The colors are, they're so vibrant. And for me, it's the color and uh, the performance uh, of Pearl in the movie, uh, Dynamite. Really good, really good flick. I watched it on Showtime. If you have Showtime, go check it out. But for me, it's the, it's the scenery. It's the color of the use of. The sky in that movie looked amazing. So the blue sky, you get the the barn, all the yeah, it's beautiful. The, the color could just melt off the screen. It's a uh, it's a beautiful flick. Go check it out. Number four, the Denzel classic, Man on Fire. Just a badass movie. Just prime prime Denzel, just kicking ass in Mexico City. Um, maybe too stylized at times. The different shots and the way. Uh, Tony Scott made it, but uh, it's an awesome movie either way. Without getting like too in depth about like how it was made and all that, it's the movie rocks. Um, number three is Creed One, uh, the first entry into the new the new phase of the Rocky franchise. Just an excellent movie. I love the, all the the flashbacks and uh, nostalgia that comes from it. The training sequences are the same thing that Rocky did, like chasing the chickens, or you go to Mickey's gym, or uh, Michael B. Jordan is rewatching YouTube videos of Apollo Creed and mimicking the his movements and stuff like that. It's a it's a really cool movie. It's a really interesting passing of the torch that I think. Um, could have failed, but it succeeded with flying colors. Uh, Creed 1, excellent, excellent movie. One of the best in the whole franchise, so yeah. Creed 1, number 3. Number 1 and number 2 were the two movies this week that I gave 5-star reviews to. So it was like, which one is going to be number 1 and which one's going to be number 2. Um, ultimately, number 2 is Boys in the Hood. 
um, starring Cuba Gooding Jr., Lawrence Fishburne, Neil Long, uh, Ice Cube. It's this, it's uh, this really well-made, really brutal, real honest look at life in uh, what's it, Crenshaw, Crenshaw in L.A. about life in the hood, and it's such an infuriating movie because of all the all the shit that happens just doesn't need to happen. But that's easy for me. Like I didn't grow up in this this area. I don't know what it's like, but from an outsider's view, it's like this doesn't have to happen. And it's so frustrating to see what happens throughout the movie. Um, it was the film first time uh, John Singleton. It's his first movie. I read that he was like 23 years old when he made it. And uh, it's incredible. 23 years old. Um, Ice Cube's first movie. Morris Chestnut's first movie. Uh, it was the first time Cuba Gooding Jr. was the lead in a movie. Um, so a lot of these first time kind of performances and it's a, it's an incredible film it's it's like punch to the gut <laughs> like when i finished it i was like oh shit like i didn't know it it's sunday morning by the time i finished it, it was like 10 in the morning it was like well now i gotta go through my day with this thing weighing on my heart and these performances that were just incredible so boys in the hood second and number one is michael mann's masterwork <laughs> heat um this is the best bank or best heist movie ever, best crime movie. Uh, Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, Val Kilmer, Tom Sizemore. Um, it's an incredible movie um, with De Niro and Pacino just going toe to toe the entire time, and uh, the action scenes. One of my favorite scenes of the whole thing isn't even in one of the action scenes. It's uh, Al Pacino and De Niro sitting at this cafe together just talking and you can tell there's like this mutual respect for one another but at the same time um, the way they live and the way their careers are uh, they tell each other like no matter what happens if I have to I don't want to but if I have to I'll kill you to get this done and you can see this kind of respect between one another and then at the end you see it as well so um, heat is just phenomenal. And it was funny because I, I had messaged, uh, in a group chat with my family that I was watching heat. And then my, my mom and dad ended up putting it on at the same time. And then my brother ended up watching it at the same time as well. So heat is number one. So quick little recap, uh, from last to first is no way out 1984 Cobra starship troopers, four weddings and a funeral, Indiana Jones at the temple of doom. Empire of the Sun, The Talented Mr. Ripley, Air, Creed Two, Pearl, Man on Fire, Creed, Boys in the Hood, and Heat. And with that, that is uh, the conclusion of this week's, this week in film for, for Lindy. So I hope you all enjoyed listening. Um, put in the comments section on Instagram or whatnot what movie you watched this week that blew you away. If you're on Letterboxd, give me a follow over at uh, Savannah56 is my uh, my profile. And um, this has been the Always Moving Podcast. I am your host, Lyndon Savanto. And as always, much love. And hopefully I will see you at the ballpark soon. So anyway, as we say around these parts, let's keep this thing moving.